James, welcome to the Alco's Mainstream Podcast. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. I think fascinating things to talk about given your work at BlackRock in terms of the types of assets that you focus on investing into, as well as how you think about distributing those products, not just to institutions, but to retail investors. We'd love to unpack all that on today's episode. But first, we'd love to hear a bit about your background, work that you do, and how you ended up in the alt space. So I've been at BlackRock for 18 years now. I oversee the overall credit business, uh, and that's really three verticals. It's all of our leverage finance product. And think about that as high yield, broadly syndicated bank loans, some structured product. And then our private credit businesses, which direct lending, opportunistic and distressed, and some event-driven hedge funds. And then lastly, some of our multi-sector product as clients look to diversify away from those single products and into something that is more broad. But that's the scope. How have you thought about the evolution of your business on the private credit side as both markets have changed and investor interests have changed in terms of the types of assets they want? Things like direct lending strike me as something that's more recent phenomenon in the private credit space. How did you think through all of that? Yeah, no, so the interesting part about credit, it, it's, it's evolved as an investable universe. The public credit markets have been grown for the last 25, 30 years, largely in the U.S., Europe has followed, and you're seeing emerging market countries continue to grow that. And that really has just been, as the economy has grown, the, the need for credit has grown, but the ecosystem between pairing capital markets that you don't need to go through the banks, you can go directly to a fund, has really matched that need from corporates who need to borrow and you, the question about the investor sentiment, they, they want diversification with the types of the risks that they have. There's an illiquidity premium that you get in the, public, the private markets. And so that evolution has continued to grow. And as that has paired up, the private credit market has really grown broadly at the institutional space, as you touched on, really now moving towards the wealth space. I want to touch on that because BlackRock has really been an innovator, not just in product manufacturing, but also product distribution, both internally, what you've done with Aladdin, and now what you've done with a company like iCapital, which is providing distribution capabilities to the high net worth channels. How have you thought about distribution of the products that you have, and how has that changed over time based on different types of investor interests? Sure. And part of this is, is the regular regulation environment has changed, technology has changed. As we just talked about, the, the alpha opportunity or the marketplace has really grown over the last 10 years in private credit. And that means not just the 5 to 10%, but the 10 to 20% type assets. That alpha opportunity is there. And now it's trying to pair that with products to allow for our clients, and broadly speaking, that wealth channel continue to get that. If you think about what credit is, to a large degree, you know, when we lend to companies, the average life of those assets are three to four years. But it's illiquid. You need to be able to make sure that you're owning that in a structure that if there is market volatility, you're not forced out of it, and then that hurts other clients that are in that fund. That's how it's really evolved from these long-term lockup strategies to providing some level of liquidity because the short nature or short duration of the asset allows for that flow. And I think from a distribution standpoint, 
is one, how do you make complex things more simplistic? Some of that is access, and things like iCapital have allowed you to access a broad reach of clients. Those clients are getting more educated on how these products work, how they fit in their funds. In most cases, the accredited investor doesn't need you know, all short-term liquidity. They need return. And this is a diversifier for them. There's an alpha stream associated and a risk premium that you can get in private credit. That is just going to continue to grow. And new products and innovation around that and technology distribution are the big factors there. Have you had to think about the way in which you structure products? If you had to think about that differently for institutional clients that you have at BlackRock and now as you build out the retail or high net worth channel, structure products differently for that cohort as well? On the margin, both of them have the same understanding of that if I can get it anywhere between a 200 basis point to a five, six percent as you go into opportunistic lending of a risk premium in the private markets, that's what they're seeking. And then what's the balance of that ownership? An institutional client may not have the same short-term liquidity needs, so they're willing to lock up in a longer-term structure, have a longer investment period, and harvest, and you see that a lot in the private equity uh, model. But on the, the retail side, you have some investors like that, certainly the high net worth, the, the ultra high net worth, but there's a lot of clients who at least want to have some flexibility, not just that they're getting the income, but they have the ability to change that in four, five, six years. So providing some level of liquidity is an important aspect of that because there's such a diversity of ownership across the accredited investor base. When it comes to liquidity, you see platforms like iCapital have a secondary market for liquidity. There are other platform providers out there doing that. Is that something that you want to do internally at BlackRock and create liquidity options, or would you rather rely on third-party external technology providers to build that kind of fintech innovation capabilities that funds like yourself can then access? I would say from our tech team, they would look at both. Obviously, there's a lot we're doing you know, within what we're building and in our LATAM systems, acquisitions that we've made as well to bring that in. Our starting point is that wealth channel that, that as you go from the qualified investor to the accredited investor, like you say, use the important called investor in our business. And our main thing is how do we allow them access to these strategies? How do we make that complexity and the simplicity of K1's document structures easily available for them? Because a household doesn't have the same infrastructure as an institution to manage all of these funds. That's something that we certainly are obviously trying to build a lot internally. And then we'll constantly look for other options uh, externally to do, to augment that. You touch on something, the difference between qualified investor institutions and individuals in terms of how they consume a lot of that information post-trade or post-investment. There's also a lot of education that has to be done pre-investment, particularly as the rise of the retail investor or the high net worth investor continues to occur. How do you think about educating the end client and also the wealth manager, the intermediary who you're often dealing with at BlackRock about this product or this asset class? It is very decentralized. There's obviously huge platforms that people can work through and partners that we've had that gives a broader reach. But as people get more control or want more control and understanding of their investments and their portfolios, because they're working hard to make the income and then they wanted to work for them and, and compound that. You know, content is important. The distribution of content is important. So some of the things that we're doing at BlackRock is putting a lot of materials together on how these asset class work, how they might fit in somebody's portfolio, and then how do you actually access them and those type of things. A big part is just producing that content and then working with some of our partner groups or being able to access that directly to some of those channels 
is an important aspect of that, and technology is a, a key disruptor there. I can't help but ask this because BlackRock has long been an innovator. If we think about it, the ETF industry is not that old. It's 20, 20 or so years old, and BlackRock was also incredibly innovative in educating the market on ETFs. What are some of the lessons that you learned from that, if any, that you're now applying to the private markets as you're educating your investor base about these asset classes, just like you did with ETFs? Yeah, it's, it's almost like it's a similar playbook, right? At the end of the day, ETF was a technology that allowed access to clients. It was internally, we were first educating all of our internal investors, and I don't oversee our, our ETF business, but my credit business has been a huge consumer of ETFs on how we manage risk how we trade portfolios, and it is becoming a very efficient tool. And even through the, the variety of dislocations and crises that we've seen, it's proven itself out as an important investment tool. I think Alt is the same way. In our clients who have five, 10, or even longer horizons with regards to what they want to do with their capital and their investment portfolio, the alternatives, which we think might grow from 5% to more like 20 to 25% of somebody's portfolio, is essentially no longer going to be alternative. These are going to be core parts of the building blocks of clients' portfolios. And that's a journey. There's different J-curves, meaning different curves on how people are going to educate themselves and learn more about it and learn. And we're still doing that with ETFs. There are newcomers to that space and how it works. Alternatives is going to be the same way on, on these asset classes. But also, most importantly, how can one of these clients and how can the credit investor use this in their portfolio? And how does it make it work for them with regards to the diversification and the alpha that they can get? So to loop this back around to the other side, how do you think the, the changes in the distribution side are impacting and informing how GPs think about the private credit world in terms of types of assets they invest into, the way they structure their funds, things like that, as you're both creating product manufacturing and also allocating to other managers as well through your fund strategy? I would say it's the driver. We try to marry... What do we think the alpha opportunity is in the market? What is available out there? And then what are our client strengths? That's our business or an asset manager, and we need to create outcomes for our clients. As you see those consumer trends, and we have the ability to structure something, how do you marry that? And, and the, the wealth client is, we've launched products now in the 40X space here in the U.S. that are marrying liquid credit with private equity. We've now launched Fund Credit X. It's got liquid credit that is marrying it with 40 to 50% allocations into private credit. So the ability to get and earn that income stream and anchor uh, clients' portfolios is delivering on those outcomes that they're looking for and using that distribution tool. So really important to understand how they can access, who can access that from a regulatory standpoint, what works, and from a risk perspective, how do we make sure that we're marrying their needs. As you think about a lot of this product innovation, what in your mind is next for the alt space and and in particular, given the world of the alt space that you focus on, private credit? That's a good question. I think you'll continue to see a balance between niche products. You even see this in the ETF space where people are looking at a certain niche alpha stream, whether that's an energy ETF. In alt, you'll have the same thing where you're going to have some portfolios or clients that are going to want to build from the bottoms up. At the same time, you'll see more portfolios that are more of this whole portfolio solution where they want to be a low-touch investor, and they were looking to access a variety of different alts portfolios. And so things that are more solutions-oriented, the ability to pivot over time, I think you'll see more evergreen structures because of the short, certainly credit because of the short nature of that. You see that in the BDC space or the business development companies. But the ability for clients not to 
every three years search for something new, but to continue to compound and deliver a better outcome for them over the long term. That all makes sense. And I think there's a lot to do in the private credit space. I'm curious as to how much, in particular, given that, that it was just in the news today that your colleague Larry Fink said that he thinks crypto's usage could be boosted, particularly given the volatility in the markets and all of that. How do you think about the world of crypto and how does it interact with, with your world and private credit? I, I would think about crypto in a sense of it's, it's certainly got a long-term trend associated to that. Like any technology, it's in its early stages where there's a lot of startups, there's a lot of different cryptocurrencies that are being created. Blockchain technology is here to stay. It's an innovation. I think those trends will continue to grow. There certainly will be a consolidation. There's been some first mover advantage with things like Bitcoin and Ethereum. But that ecosystem, not unlike the transition that you're seeing in energy finance, the transition you see in e-commerce, crypto's the same way. And that architecture is gonna need investors and capital. So as crypto has grown, we've been able as a creditor investors, not just to invest in crypto as a currency, but we've also been able to invest in a lot of the architecture that's creating that crypto. And you think about storage, technology in the ecosystems, data rooms and things like that. And so those have provided a, a broad range of opportunities. And at the same point, like anything, if you're looking through what is that disrupting and who's going to be a loser in that transition. You mentioned something that's really interesting, which is market structure evolutions that can be applied to crypto. I think that can more broadly be applied to alts. Capital is a piece of that market structure evolution. There are a number of technology providers pre to post trade or post investment that are part of that market structure evolution. I think that's part of the reason why alt goes mainstream and it has been going mainstream. So at BlackRock, you've been an innovator in that too. Some people may not know about all the things you've done on the technology side with businesses like Aladdin. How do you think your view and understanding of market structure evolution and the application of technology has impacted how you've approached the alt space on the private credit side and also more broadly? Yeah, it's a good point. And then just to try the correlation, if you think about combustible engine autos moving towards EVs or electronic vehicles, that's a trend that's going to take time, but there's an entire infrastructure need to shift and change that. And as you call it with regards to alt, as the market demand for alternative product continues to grow and that becomes an ecosystem that drives finance, there's the evolution of the infrastructure that needs to happen and technology is a key component part of that. That for us is a big growth area in multiple ways and we've seen us made some acquisitions, but you know, Larry and, and, and Rob, Larry Fink and Rob Capito, they built a lot of our infrastructure with Aladdin being the core, starting with you know, back to Charlie Alec. That's been a lifeline of our online business. That runs in our oversight and how we run risk in all of our portfolios. We've made more recent acquisitions with regards to eFront and continue to build on that, iCapital. All of that stuff is that, that ecosystem that is still dated to where it was 10 years ago, to where it's gonna be in 10 years, is it's not just something how we are going to manage our own alternative products, but it's something that we're building to allow our clients to manage you know, that part of, of, of their portfolios. And that's the reality. If it's going to be 20 to 25% of clients' portfolios, it needs to be more accessible. It needs to be easier to manage. And that's going to be documentation, structures, everything that goes along with it. How do you think about enabling alts to continue to go mainstream in both the institutional and the retail side? Because you serve both clients. Do you think that a lot of the same principles and technology applies? Maybe obviously different user experience, things like that, but is it similar principles in your mind? Absolutely. And, and again, your start point, the alpha stream is what everybody needs when you're looking for the outcomes of returns. So 
when you get to the clients, it, and, and this varies depending on retail and institutional and how they want to use a certain part of the alts market, they're going to have a view of how much liquidity they need up front, what is their return target for uh, their goals, and what's the duration of that? Is it in the retail space somebody that might be building a foundation that has a 30-year perspective to it versus somebody who's going to retire in the next month? All of a sudden, their needs change. So that is like the main driver. These alternative products still fit into each one of those portfolios. But when you think about the whole portfolio, the mix may vary based off of that. And diversification is something that's going to be helpful. Reducing risk, the alpha stream is something that's going to be additive to compounding your money. I don't think the trends from you know, institutional retail are that different of seeking a return relative to a risk spectrum. I think how we deliver to that is a little bit different. And that varies too. Sometimes on the institutional side, they want low touch and they want somebody to manage that whole portfolio. We're seeing more trends towards that. And on the retail side, sometimes as well, you can see clients that are very educated in the space and want to build their own portfolio and are very tactical on how they want to shift risk and how they think about building their own portfolio. And then we have others who are saying, I just want to invest in the next 10 years and outsource that. Those trends exist at different magnitudes, but for us, the wrapper, meaning the structure and the type of product, may vary between how we can deliver that to a, an accredited investor versus an institutional investor. That's going to vary. But with regards to how they look at it and what the alpha stream is, I think those are the same. Well, I think what you're getting at is that BlackRock is a huge enabler of alts being able to go mainstream. And in a way that maybe... We certainly know how big BlackRock is, but maybe not even to the extent at which we can appreciate it because of all the things you're doing on the technology side and the product manufacturing side. So that's awesome to hear. Final question, which I always ask every guest, uh, is what is your favorite or most interesting alternative investment? Right now, I think that the volatility that you see in the market and you're in a regime change from an economic picture as you've gone from quantitative easing, massive amounts of liquidity during a pandemic, to something that is a bit of a crosswind. And that fall, that dispersion, I think, is going to create a significant amount of opportunities to lend to companies. We call it opportunistic lending, but where you can get structure, pricing, and you allow for companies to transition through that. We think about this being able to achieve mid-teens type returns, but really working with these companies, lending with a lot of downside protection, allowing them to get through the next two to three years and being able to structure that with some upside appreciation. Um, and that's the balance of the, raising money in the equity market based off of the volatility. Might be expensive uh, today relative to where it was, but betting that transition capital for us with structures, I think right in the next two years, we love seeing this fall and this dispersion, not necessarily at a macro level, but at an industry level. And those things that we talked about is that, like, that even the electronic vehicle or the energy transition, there's a lot of businesses that are creating opportunities uh, for us to lend to in the next couple of years. Fascinating end to an incredible discussion. James, thanks so much for coming on the All Coast Mainstream Podcast. Congrats on everything you've done at BlackRock. Thanks for having me, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Coast Mainstream. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find more episodes of the podcast at any of your favorite podcast sites, and you can read more about alts at my Substack, altgoesmainstream.substack.com, and follow me on Twitter at, at Michael Sidgmore and at Gozalt. Thanks a lot and have a great day. We're going